was really, really challenging to have both of those things be happening to me at once because I felt like I'd finally made it. But I was also being held back in a really sort of painful way, right? And so I had to really come to terms with, can I even do this anymore? Is is this even healthy for my body? Like, what is my body telling me by giving these signs, right? Hey friends, I can't believe 2023 is coming to an end. This year has just been an incredible year for No Straight Path. I want to sincerely thank all of you for your support. It means so much. And just thank you for sharing the podcast with your network. Thank you for the mentions and the repost. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for all the positive reviews. And thank you to everyone who donated to the Kickstarter earlier this year. This support helped me put out weekly content aimed to inspire. According to Spotify Wrapped, 89% of you all discovered the podcast this year. You actually love the Good Enough Job episode with Simone Stolzoff. I love that too. And if you haven't read the book, you definitely need to. I'll put it in the show notes. And the podcast was streamed in 40 different countries. The podcast was shared so many times and we saw lots of growth in the numbers. And while I'm so grateful for this growth, I think you all know that my hope is that the show helped you grow personally. I certainly have. I have more thoughts and reflections on personal growth and much more that I I plan to share next year, but I wanted to actually close out this year with an interview with someone who has had such a positive impact on my podcasting journey, and that's Carly Baker. She is a manager of the HubSpot Creators, and Carly is actually on the cusp of the younger millennial and older Gen Z age cutoff, so we're just going to call her our first guest from Gen Z. Yes. (laughs) I thought we'd mix it up and hear from the younger generation. They are the future. Wow, I know I sound like a millennial auntie because I am friends. I'm always like, Carly, is this cool? What do you think? (laughs) But seriously, Carly has a great story with wonderful insights. It's been so great to get to know her as I've been going through my podcasting journey. And we talk all about Carly's transition from a creative industry to the corporate world and how she let go of one dream and embraced a multi-passionate identity. I appreciate Carly's honesty and deep reflection. And before we get to our conversation, let me tell you a bit more about her. So Carly Baker is an audiophile and creative based in Boston. And Carly's passion for the podcast industry can be traced back to her roots as a professional musician, where she spent significant time working in and exploring the facets of the audio industry. As an artist and freelancer, her approach to working with creators is informed by her own experiences in the creator sphere. Currently a creator partnerships manager at HubSpot, she specializes in inspiring, engaging, and supporting creators across platforms to achieve their goals and drive business impact. When her headphones aren't in, you can find Carly deep in the racks at your local vintage establishment and local bookstore. Yes, Carly loves to read. She actually read over a hundred books last year, which is insane. Yeah, don't know how she did it, uh, but very impressive and inspiring. And speaking of inspiring, I can't wait for you all to hear this conversation. So let's get to it. All right, Carly, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. I'm so excited to chat with you. I just love you as a person and your story. So thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. It's such a privilege to be here. I'm really excited to share my story and get to chat with you today. Absolutely. So you know the drill. I want to start from the beginning. I want to start with your childhood. Can you 
tell me about how you grew up. Tell me about those childhood aspirations and dreams that you had for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I am the youngest of two, and I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So definitely very arts-focused community, I think, is how a lot of people would describe the Pacific Northwest. And I was always... I like to think of myself as always kind of being the very energetic kind of weird kid that a lot of people probably know or can think about or have (laughs) some sort of image of in their mind. I was always very creative. And one of my earliest memories from school is being the person when we're supposed to be, you know, sort of silently working on things in class, who's like always humming a tune or singing and the other kids always telling me to be quiet. So I feel Mm. like (laughs) that encapsulates a lot of the kind of energy and and spirit that I have today. I've always been someone that's been deeply creative and really in touch with that part of myself. And so that's kind of just been a continuing thread through throughout my life since uh, from a very young age. Ah, I love that. And so tell us about the pursuit of your dreams and your childhood dreams that you've had growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So I developed a childhood dream pretty early on. Growing up, I didn't come from a family that's musically inclined in terms of practicing themselves, but was always listening to a lot of music and engaging with a lot of art from a very young age. And my mom specifically is a really big fan of opera. And so because I was so interested in music as a kid, I spent a lot of time going to concerts with her. And I sang in elementary school choir and learned how to play the recorder and, you know, did all the music classes uh, and just very quickly became really passionate about it. And I started, you know, as soon as I started to sort of learn instruments and engage with music, I knew that it was going to be something that I was going to want to do for the rest of my life. And I have a little bit more of a specific story that I can share in terms of how I came to the oboe, which ended up being a really big part of my life for many years. Mm. So I went to a a symphony concert with my mom, and we went to the Seattle Symphony, of course, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we were sitting in the audience, and a piece called Scheherazade was one of the pieces that was on the program, and it has a very large oboe part. And the piece of music is is known really widely as a an excellent showcase for woodwind instruments, but specifically for the oboe. And it's funny now because I've actually played that piece so many times, <laughs> I've probably more times than I can count. But I just felt really enchanted and drawn to this instrument. And I turned to my mom and said, I want to play that. And so then, of course, she had to like figure out what it was. <laughs> and that really started sort of me choosing something that I was very interested in. And that sort of led to me starting and kind of going on the journey. But when I started middle school, I had wanted to start playing the oboe right away. And Mm -hmm. it's actually one of the most difficult instruments. And so when I asked my music teacher, she said no, that I had to wait until I was older and then I needed to learn a different instrument first. And she actually ended up going on maternity leave. And so when she was on maternity leave, I told the sub and the sub was very excited and started me with lessons in her office. And Mm -hmm. while all the other kids were playing in the ensemble during 
class. I was just in the teacher's office, like trying to teach myself and figure out how to learn this instrument. And of course, when my real teacher came back, she was pretty upset. But at that point, I had started and I wasn't going to stop. And that really was sort of the the start of, of the journey. And I really got attached pretty quickly and decided that I wanted to move to New York and I wanted to go to music school and that I wanted to be a performer for the rest of my life. And that just sort of started the the journey and everything that I did after that was always done in pursuit of that. Wow. That's so amazing. And just the oboe. Thank you for also just the music lesson because I had never yeah. even heard of that in- instrument. <laughs> but that's very interesting and just how you were just determined at a young age to achieve this dream and go after it. And even with your teacher going on maternity leave and just trying to make sure that you got to do the thing you wanted to do and you did it. And so from my understanding, you have been pursuing this dream for quite some time Mm -hmm. in your life. And then there's a pivotal moment where you actually have to let go of that dream. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Did you make it all the way to a professional music setting, to college? Tell us a little bit more about that mean, that music journey and then that unforeseen pivot. Yeah, absolutely. So once I started, you know, I was in the in the teacher's office and very quickly I had decided that I had wanted to I needed a teacher. I taught myself everything that I could do. I learned as much as I could from my music teacher and so I started to take private lessons and what I think was very unique about my journey taking lessons was actually the teacher that I started with in in sixth grade. She was my private teacher all the way until I was 18 and I went to college. And then I would continue to take lessons with her while I was in college when I would come home. And so we had a really strong bond. And she isn't too much older than me, maybe 12, 13 years older than me. And I think just sort of saw her as kind of an older sister in in a way. And she had achieved my dream. She had gone to New York. She had studied at Juilliard. She was a full-time musician and was teaching lessons and came from the same place that I came from. And it felt like it made it so much more. She just provided such a good example for me and, and made it just so that I could see myself really doing those things more so than just sort of picturing them. Like it seemed very achievable in a way that it hadn't been before. And so Mm -hmm. I'd started to work with her and right away she said, okay, if you want to do this, let's do it. And here's everything we need to do. And then I just kind of went on that journey and, you know, that led to me in high school performing with a bunch of youth symphonies. So I was probably playing 20 to 30 hours a week doing lessons and, I really had extreme tunnel vision from a very young age and mm. was not really interested in participating in anything that wasn't going to push me forward on that path. But at the same time, this was when I sort of started to feel the winds change and feel like I'm not quite sure if I can do this forever, not because I didn't want to, but because of sort of signals that my that my body were was giving me. Mm. So when I think about sort of when the when things got a little bit more challenging for for me and when I started to, as I said, feel the winds change, which is funny, I guess, when talking about a wind instrument. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I started to deal with a lot of pain in my hands and in the musician community in general, there's a lot of judgment and a lot of shame around having performance-based injuries. It's seen a lot as a weakness, which is really 
unfortunate and upsetting and I think maybe mirrors some of what injured athletes and, and folks in other industries might feel as well. But I started to have pretty severe pain in my hands and mostly just due from overuse. Of course, you use, you know, when you play a wind instrument, you use your hands and your fingers a lot and you're constantly having to balance an instrument and you're having to sit in a very stiff position for a very long time. And basically, I had a bunch of treatment. I had acupuncture. I had a hand specialist that I went to see. I had steroid treatments. I had done kind of everything that I had could, you know, to try to make it livable for me. And eventually, I would wake up in the morning and my hands would be in fists. I wouldn't be able to open my hands because my tendons, I had so much damage on my tendons. And so that really was a big reality check for me. And at that point, I couldn't hide it. I'd been hiding it at school. I did Mm -hmm. end up going to New York. I did end up fulfilling that part of my dream and worked really hard while I was there. And it was difficult because I was really living out everything that I had worked towards and was living sort of in my idea of success and having these amazing opportunities and doing more than I ever could have thought. But I was also hiding behind this. I was also hiding this injury and was it was really, really challenging to have both of those things be happening to me at once because I felt like I'd finally made it. But I was also being held back in a really sort of painful way. Right. And so I had to really come to terms with can I even do this anymore? Is is this even healthy for my body? Like, what is my body telling me by giving these signs, right? Like, is this even going to be something that will be obtainable for me to continue on for the next couple of years, nonetheless, like for the rest of my career, right? And so I kind of came to a crossroads where I had to come to the realization that maybe this isn't the path for me. And, and that really started me down sort of a whole new journey of having to really sit down and be honest with myself about what was possible in my life and how I wanted to navigate through that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Just because I feel like your story is certainly one that a lot of people need to hear. And I feel like we don't talk about it enough, just even just the idea of working so hard towards one specific dream, Mm -hmm. but then your body literally tells you, you cannot do it anymore. And you're right. It does happen to athletes, but it does happen in the music industry. It happens in the tech industry. A lot of people are now dealing, unfortunately, with carpal tunnel but and Mm -hmm. getting early arthritis. Like There's definitely more talk around these issues and how we can mitigate those challenges. But sometimes it's like you actually just have to let go of the dream. And I'm curious about this pivot for you. When you talk about Mm -hmm. what's possible for my life, you know, what were you thinking in that next moment? What were you thinking about your dreams and and how did you even process this pivot? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I still don't know if I've processed it. It's been about four years, I would say, since I, yeah, finished, finished school and sort of went down a new path and my kind of immediate choice was I felt like I had been so focused on one thing and I truly was so focused on one thing for so long that I realized that so much of my self-identity and my self-worth was tied to me being successful at this for a lot of different reasons. I'm a very stubborn person and I think that that's definitely part of it. And I also spent a long time 
I grew up in an environment where a lot of people told me that my dreams were not possible and you know you you won't make it you're you're going to fail you should do something else and i was so that just made me want to do it even more and so i think getting to a point where i felt like maybe those people were right was really challenging just for me personally because i'd spent so much time wanting to prove to myself and I think also partially wanting to prove to others that I could do it. Yeah. And when I had to walk away, not because I was choosing that for myself necessarily, but because I physically couldn't do it anymore, that was extremely defeating and is still something that I think back a lot on. I, I still don't think that I'm fully have let it go in the way that maybe would best serve me. And But I've also realized that it's just a part of the journey. And when you see yourself through a specific lens from such a young age for such a long time, you get very accustomed to that lens. And so when you're trying on other lenses, it feels very uncomfortable, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. been a big part of the challenge that I've had. But it's also been really beautiful because I've been able to see myself through so many other lenses and to tap into so many other parts of myself that I really ignored or didn't really even give myself a chance to explore. So it's also been very beautiful. And in that way, the first kind of pivot that I took was my original plan had to had been to do a master's in music. And I knew that I couldn't perform now. And so I decided to do a master's in music business, which I felt like Mm. kind of tied in a lot of my experiences of being a freelancer. And every musician is basically their own marketer having to go out and network and promote and get gigs and all of those things. And, you know, there's, I had also just personally had a lot of bad experiences working with people in the music business. And so I decided that I wanted to make a change (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the music industry and study music business. And so I enrolled at a master's degree and learned a lot about marketing. And during that time, I had been a part of the service economy for a long time and wanted more of a career focused role, I guess you could say. And so I started to I, I did a marketing my first marketing role at the university and while also learning marketing in classes and kind of just went head first, but still, you know, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. It just felt like a good option and a way for me to use kind of my creative brain and and learn new things. And that's when I realized I'd been a marketer all along the entire time that I'd been a musician. I just yeah. didn't have a name or you know, have any idea of sort of strategy and and those types of things. And so, yeah, that really was kind of the start of me moving away from being just a musician and starting to explore sort of other career paths for myself. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that there are a lot of people who might move from a creative to corporate career in various aspects and in Mm -hmm. various industries and for various reasons, right? Yours was an unfortunate injury. Other people, it might be financial. And I'm curious about the advice that you might have for someone that's going from this creative space to this corporate space. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say all of this with, I definitely do not have it figured out. I'm still very much like on this journey myself. And these are some things that I am either personally working on right now or have been working on in the past or plan to work on in the future. So I always want to 
make sure that I do share that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a process for We're sure. We're all learning. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we are every single day, at least for me, always, always learning and discovering. But I think one of the largest challenges that I faced in going from the creative to corporate space is that I spent so many years building for myself and designing and doing all practicing and putting in their reps and doing all of these things and really building a personal brand and and building for myself. And now working in a corporate environment, you're really more in a role of building for other people. So you're building for the company, you're building for your team. You're not as focused on only building for yourself and doing things that always have you in mind. And I think that's been really challenging for me is figuring out, okay, if I want to build for myself, what does that look like in this new way, right? Like how Mm -hmm. am I still building for myself outside of work? Like what challenging my own view of what even building for myself is. And so a good example of this (laughs) for me is I this year got into playing competitive pinball which is like very, very (laughs) random and it's very fun. And I really struggled when I first started of feeling like I had to be really good and I needed to be the best person and I needed to practice the most and do all of these things. And what I realized is like I was just trying to treat this new interest like the interest that I had forever and that it actually wasn't serving me to feel that way. And so I think having awareness of how you want to build and what's important to you and like how are you serving yourself if you spend a lot of time maybe in a role or or at a company where you're you're building on behalf of others and sort of what that what that looks like so that's definitely a big distinction i think between what it feels like to go from a a creative self-building role to a corporate job and yeah that's definitely been a challenge and then when i think about sort of advice that I would have for someone that has to make a career pivot because of, you know, sort of unforeseen circumstances. I think knowing and being comfortable with the fact that like walking away is a step forward. I think when I made the decision to walk away, I spent a lot of time thinking about the past and about things that I could have, should have, would have done as many of us do. And also being really scared by the fact that I didn't have a future that was perfectly planned out. And I was so busy being pulled forward and backward that I couldn't see that where I was was enough. And that just making that step was a really good step and meant that I was actually going to be healthier and was just another, a, a part of a new journey. And because I was so afraid of a new journey, that was really difficult just to be present and to be okay with that. And I think when I think about so many of my friends that are in the creative sphere and specifically maybe in in music or in a creative, a part of the arts where there's a very defined path with very defined milestones, it can be difficult to find yourself at a place where you don't have a defined path and you don't have those milestones. You feel very lost and it's very hard to feel grounded in where you are. And so that's one of the biggest challenges that I've had and things I've had to learn over time is like it's it's okay to not know what you're going to do in the future. It's 
honestly probably preferable because I feel like every day I'm learning so much about myself and what my interests are and just not having the freedom and not feeling confined by certain things that I have to do has really allowed me just to be more myself and in every way. And I think that's been really beautiful. I love that so much. And you know, it's so interesting because when you were describing your journey, Mm -hmm. even though it's a creative journey, it really is very analogous to a lot of the corporate journeys. It sounded like going to law school for me and then Mm -hmm. going and becoming an attorney and all of these different milestones and things that are set that you have to follow. And then after that, you kind of, there's this uncertainty and you don't know what's next, Mm -hmm. but it's just a little bit surprising because I thought that the creative industry had more of that flexibility, but it seems like we're all kind of dealing with these different markers of success in every different industry, and we're all at some point tying our self-worth to it. You just said you've been able to become more of yourself, and I think that's very profound. Can you tell us more about that? Like, Who are you and how are you stepping further into who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things for me is changing the way that I think about and view myself. As I think I had touched on a little bit earlier, I really only viewed myself through the single lens of being a musician. And I really blocked out pretty much any other thing that I was interested in that wasn't moving that dream forward and and was affecting sort of the way that I saw myself. And when I think about myself now, I see myself through many different lenses and I would identify more as being a sort of a multi-passionate creative. I've rediscovered my love for reading. I have this like pinball situation <laughs> going on. I play as a part of a league and that's great. I started sewing. Like I am no longer confining myself to just seeing myself through one lens, I realized that I am interested in many things and that that's one of the most beautiful things about myself is that I can give myself the freedom to explore and to never feel like I can only be one thing. So that's been a really big change. And I think it's also been very scary. It's something that I is beautiful and I also really struggle with. And I think, you know, sometimes when I sit down and I have these moments where I cannot believe that I work a desk job. I can't believe (laughs) that I work corporate. I never saw this as something that would ever be in the cards for me or would ever work. And I think it's been really grounding and has provided a sense of stability in a way that I never really had when I was a musician and also never thought that I wanted or would be a good fit for me. And so... I think the entire journey has just been me challenging my own fear and my own sort of blockers that I put in my way. And as I said, I'm very stubborn and it's very easy for me to be led by fear, even though I think a lot of folks would maybe see me as a very confident person. I actually struggle with that a lot Mm -hmm. and have a lot of self-doubt and constantly have a strong internal dialogue with myself about these things. And yeah, I think it's it's just been such a journey to see myself change and it's been hard, but it's also been it's something I didn't expect. I expected myself to feel really resentful about this journey. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do feel resentful about it sometimes, for sure. I definitely have really challenging days, but I've also surprised myself in so many ways and I think 
finding more ways to surprise ourselves, especially as we grow into careers and as we get older, it's a really important part of self-discovery and the ways that we change. Yeah. No, I think that is really excellent. I have so many things that you just said. I'm curious about a few things. So one, Mm -hmm. you talked about these different lenses and seeing yourself Mm -hmm. in different ways, this, you know, multi-passionate creative, which I think is an excellent description of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people, (laughs) if you follow Carly, I'll put it in the show notes, but on social media, you'll see that she is also very fashionable. I love your clothing every time (laughs) I see you. But so certainly just, you know, a reflection of all these different interests that you have and you were so singularly focused before. Do you feel like you're happier now? That's a great question. Yes. It's funny. I hesitated Mm -hmm. to say yes, but I really do truly believe that I am happier. And I think it's for a lot of reasons, actually. But I think deep down, it's a couple of different things. I look in the mirror and I feel like I understand who I see looking back at me. And I think for a long time, I didn't feel that way. Would I say that that was just because I was on a different path than a musician. No, Mm -hmm. I think that that's part of it. But I also think that, you know, there just were so many, I I wasn't living a a stable life. I wasn't taking care of myself in the way that I do now. There's a lot of factors, of course. Mm -hmm. But when I look at myself and who I am in my friendships, in my marriage, in the way that I am at work, like I totally feel like I'm at a place now where I can be myself and people like love it and embrace that. And I don't have to feel embarrassed or insecure or not feel like I can be myself in those situations. And so because of that alone and being able to be fully present with myself, I would say I'm like the happiest that I've ever been, even though my life looks different than I thought. And there's still challenges, of course, but I would say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say there's still challenges, of course, what do you mean by that? Is it the resentment? Is it the regret? Is there a way that some of the work that lit you up in your music career, does any of that translate to any of the work that you do now? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm always trying to move myself closer to feeling that way through my work. I, I'm a big crier. <laughs> I'm a Pisces, so I, I'm a big crier. I cry all the time. It's a really good re- release for me. And I still have moments where, and I was just crying to my husband about this the other day, about the fact that like I just sometimes cannot believe that this is my life. It's so surprising to me, and I think it's a good surprise. It's challenged my abilities, my willingness to learn, my stubbornness, all of these different things. And I think what one of the most challenging parts of moving from creative to corporate is, is figuring out for me how to continue to tap into that creative side of my brain. I do think that it is one of the strongest parts of my spirit and is one of the biggest sort of assets that I have as a person. And so I'm always trying to figure out in my day job, how can I activate this more? How can I bring more of this to the work? And so that's kind of just an ongoing process. And I I don't think that that'll probably ever go away. I think it's just a part of me that's yearning to 
to use those those skills. And of course, I am still a very creative person and, and do a lot of things outside of work that fulfill that. But I'm always kind of on a journey of how to bring more of that energy to my corporate job. And I think that ties into a little bit of advice that I would like to give people, which is find a way to stay connected to your dream. I think for me, it was very painful to figure out how to incorporate those parts of myself and of a dream that was my dream for so long and and have a symbiotic relationship with that and also bring some of that into my corporate job. And so that's kind of been my focus for right now, now that it's a little bit less painful and I've let go a lot of sort of the resentment and difficulties of, okay, how do I re-energize these feelings and this excitement and figure out how to bring this side of myself to my corporate job? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Another one. Another gem. (laughs) I love that. Find a way to stay connected to your dream no matter what. That Mm -hmm. is extremely important. I think that is certainly advice that I need to follow. I try to follow in my life. I think it's like you've always got to stay connected to the things that light you up and you may not be able to always get it in your corporate job and that is okay. You know, we want to build skills. We want stability. You know, we got to make a living and, but there are ways to just bring yourself, bring that creativity. And as you said previously, also just seeing yourself in all these different lenses. So you're able to pour into different parts of yourself, even if it's not from a job or career perspective. Mm-hmm. In the pinball competition thing, I love that too because I think also as we get older, we lose our relationship with fun in a way. Yes. You know, like just actually being intentional about having fun in, you know, when it just comes to like playing games or, or making it more competitive. I think that's so fun. I used to love pinball. My husband and I, we like to go to arcades sometimes and I'm always, I always just like leave it so happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So that's just another reminder too. And I just think this conversation has been so great, Carly. It's been so helpful. I feel like we need to talk more, you know, No Straight Path has so many different iterations. And so that's why I really wanted you to come on the show. Cause I was like, wait, there's a creative to corporate. We talk a lot about, oh, I was in this corporate Corporate job and started, yeah, you know, (laughs) this creative industry, this creative business, but no, it it happens so many and it's just so many twists and turns, but it can happen in so many different ways. And so your specific story, I think is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. If you have any final thoughts, please share. Ooh, any (laughs) final thoughts? I feel like I always have lots of thoughts, of course, but one of the biggest things and pieces of advice and sort of directional thoughts that someone that I actually work with had shared with me when I was going through a little bit of a role change a couple of months ago was really think about how are you filling your cup? And I think that this is a great question, not only to ask yourself in terms of your career and your job, but also outside of work. I think especially now in the age of the internet, it's very hard to feel like you have control over how you spend your time, how much time you spend doing things, whether or not you're prioritizing doing things for yourself, doing things for other people. Like You have to work really hard to be aware of how are you filling your cup? How are you doing things that are getting you closer to where you want to be? How are you spending your energy? How are you spending your time? Who is in your circle? All of these sort of things that kind of 
mixed together into some kind of life cocktail. I'm really leaning into this cup, uh, <laughs> this cup idea, but I do think it is interesting and it's really important to be in touch with yourself and how everything that you're doing is is supporting you, whether directly or or indirectly. And so I would just suggest people think about how they're filling their cup and how at the end of the day, how you feel about those types of things and how you're supporting yourself. I think we as humans spend a lot of time thinking about other people and supporting other people, whether that's at work or in relationships or when you're driving and letting someone cut in front of you, all of these different (laughs) ways that we serve other people. And I think it's also really important to think about how you're serving yourself. Because at the end of the day, you can't serve other people if you're not taking care of yourself. It's super important. So be in touch with who you are and and what you need and try to give yourself as, as much of that as you can. Well, thank you so much. This conversation definitely filled my cup, Deep Human Connection. (laughs) So uh, thank you, Carly, for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.